0: This podcast is sponsored by Eco Physiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today on the podcast, we will be talking about building a health and wellness brand and what the heck is a brand. My guest today is Dana. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to learn a little bit more about this. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of us sitting at home, you know, not necessarily doing our day-to-day, but, you know, hopefully being on social media and on, online trying to, you know, continue to build our brand. But before we get, like, dive right into that, I thought maybe we could start with, you know, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, so my name is Dana and I own Three Crown Studio and it's a creative business that um, sort of does three different things. So graphic design, web design, and some photography for brands. And I come from a background of 12 years in corporate marketing and I love everything creative. I started my business in 2017. Um, I'm a mom of two super energetic boys. Yeah, that sums me up, I think. All right. Yeah, it just helps to build context for what we're <laughs> yeah. what we're what
0: we're talking about here. So, okay, because this is a word that gets thrown around, you know, what is a you know, make sure you're branding or make sure you have a
1: brand. Like what do those words actually mean? Branding and the word brand is is sort of an umbrella term, really, and it can be really vague for people. Some people think of a brand as their logo. And that is part of your brand, but I break it down into to two things: how does your brand feel um, to your audience, and that's both practically and also emotionally. So, how what type, what do people feel when they interact with your brand or your business? And two, how your brand looks visually. So that does encompass your logo and your website and everything visual that your business touches. That is to me is branding. So those two things, the feel is important as well as the look. And then those two together signify brand. There's lots of other sub, sub, sub topics under there, but that's, I would say the most general breakdown that I give to my clients. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. So basically the brand, you know, there's, there are things
1: underneath it that helps to create the brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. The feel is very important about that. If you think about some big brands, you think about how do you feel when you say their name, right? When you say McDonald's, how does that make you feel? Versus when you say farm boy, how does that make you feel? You know, those are, those are two different things and neither of them have to do anything with the logo. It has to do with, with how you feel when you come across the brand. So that's super important. Gotcha.
0: Thank you for that. So, okay. A lot of us are hopping on, you know, hopping online. I mean, most of us are online, or should be online, um, even more so now. So, how do you how do you encompass a brand online in a way that's like authentic, right? If it's you know maybe because a logo just on its own, you know, is just a logo, right? So, mm-hmm. what do you do to you know bring the logo, bring the feel? How do you get that to be felt? online right so you're not interacting face to face you're interacting you know with a website or you're interacting with a social media
1: page sure so um this sounds really cheesy but it's really the best thing to do it in an authentic way is to be yourself um your audience can tell when you're not doing that And it's also super hard to stay consistent when you're not being yourself all the time that that comes across. Um, I definitely found for me, um, you know, at the beginning of my business, I might have been acting the way that I thought my audience wanted. But then I noticed that when I started to be more authentic and drop my guard a little bit, um, whether that was on my social media or on my visuals, that I actually found people were responding to it much better. Um, so be yourself is the number one, especially if we're talking about small businesses and smaller brands, um, where you are the face of your business. Um, speak in your brand voice at all times is a big one. So, you know, make sure that if you stand for something in your business, for example, if you're in wellness and you feel really strongly about, um, you know, a certain type of technique that you're always speaking about that and you're, you're hitting your audience with it multiple times. Um, and the other thing is stay consistent with your visuals. So when you get your branding done, so say you get a logo and brand design done by a professional, um, you get those color codes, get that font that, that your designer used and use those consistently. Um, a lot of people just post on the fly, which is great. You can do some of that but also make sure that you're tying that visual in and then that way your audience knows what to expect from you. And, and a big part of that now, especially on social is trust. They want to know what they're getting from you. So stay consistent with that.
0: Okay. Thank you. That's that, that's certainly, certainly helpful to, to think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So How does somebody distinguish themselves through the noise? Like there's, so we're, we're talking in the context of health and wellness. I mean, there's so many different Mm -hmm. people just within a similar profession, you know, that are all trying to be distinguishable. You know, what, what can, what should people be thinking about that will help them break through the noise?
1: Um, I think in certain industries now, we see a lot of the same content happening over and over and over again, Um, a lot of the same style, a lot of copycats. So I think that we're all probably familiar with like five things to do this or Tip Tuesday or other things like that that are really helpful. But um, I think value through content is really important and coming up with stuff that is unique to your brand and your business and sticking with that and staying super, super consistent with it. Because there's some, we know there's very saturated markets out there. Um, You know, my market, there's a lot of designers, there's a lot of web designers, but a few of them sort of rise to the top. And I think what makes them successful is having a strong brand, yes, keeping that authentic voice that we spoke about, and then consistency across the board all the time. So, Right now is, is a quieter time for a lot of small businesses with everything that's going on. So my only advice that I'm giving to my clients is can create content right now, create value for your end users because they will remember that and that will help build your brand right now. And then when things pick up again, you're going to be the person that they think about.
0: So one of the things... That kind of comes to mind because you know I, I think back to the early days of of starting my business, and you know um, you know you're doing things consistently, so like for example like we we put out a monthly newsletter, and you know consistently for a good you know two and a half three years, we've been putting out this newsletter, and at first you know, for the first six months to a year, it was like, is this, you know, are we creating value? Like, is this actually working? You know, some of these things are are a little hard to, you know, hard to, hard to track. How do you stay motivated (laughs) to create, you know, to continue being consistent when you're not specifically seeing um a return on that like thinking about right now right now like a lot of people are home you know we have this virus thing going on you know you're putting out content but you're not maybe necessarily you know getting clients from it because everything's just like on a wait and see
1: sort of basis so how you know how do you stay motivated i think it's challenging for everyone to stay motivated right now um, i think that you know you're talking about a newsletter so I would definitely look into your engagement if there's a tracking way to see yeah. how many people are opening it. And and it's also okay to pivot away from something that isn't bringing you any business either. So, I mean, we've all done stuff that we're really excited about and we think is really great. And then it doesn't really seem to get much traction and you get a little deflated. Um, and there, there's something to be said about sticking with something. I, I still think email newsletters have a lot of value, even if it's a paragraph two or two, I think people think, that e-newsletters need to be just these very, like almost like a mini newspaper all the time and they don't need to be. Um, But during this time I would focus on creating content that can be used in lots of different ways. So for example, if you're writing a blog post that has, you know, five sort of tips or five kind of different things you can section out in it, I would find a way to make that content really stretch especially if you are feeling unmotivated. So um, have you ever heard that, like that phrase, cook once, eat twice? Yeah. So like, so yeah, so create one piece and then have that stretch as far as possible. And a lot of people create evergreen content. And what that means is that that content can be reposted a year from now and it's still fresh and relevant. So if I'm saying, you know, five things to, to to do to update your website right now, I could post that again next year and there's going to be someone next year that still finds that interesting. So yeah, I would say create content that you can then split up, split it up into social media posts, take a chunk out of it and put it in your newsletter. It's okay if people read things again, that's, that's all right. I think we feel this pressure to new every single day, evolve, evolve. And then this content just kind of gets, gets um, put in the background noise. But I think we all know that brand that, kept sending us a newsletter or kept doing something and we either ignored it. Or we weren't ready. And then one day it just was like, Oh, okay. Now I need that. So those brands are doing a good job at, at staying in front of your face so that when you do need it, it you know, it, it stuck with you. They did something right. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And having said that, you know, then, then it comes to the question of like, when do you jump boat? Like, is it, right is it like you're getting no engagement no no opening you know cuz you want to be in front of their face and send out that newsletter but you know when do you at what point do you say okay this you know this i've been trying this for a while like what's the minimal i guess that what's a good minimum amount of time you should try to do something you know to see if it's going to get traction before you jump the boat
1: ooh that's a good question Um, I think, I think that if you're a bricks and mortar business, if you have a physical space, I think newsletters, you know, even if you're not getting a lot of bites on them, try to do them once a month. Um, I also think that, you know, in the world of, of social where you might do a live or you might go on and do a post and you notice, Hey, there's only six likes or there's only six comments. Those are six people that you're not being exposed to right now. Those are six additional people that you may not have met in person and it's free. So that's the other thing that's super, super great about social right now. Um, And again, it can all be led back into your website. It can all create traffic into your website. So even if six people are opening up your newsletter and then they're clicking to go back to your website, that gives your website more traffic, which helps with its rankings. So it's really good to create a funnel where people can navigate around and kind of go in this circular loop that there's no dead ends, that they don't go to your social and not know how to get to your website and they don't go to your website and not know how to go to your social. Um, So that, that's sort of important. I, but in terms of when to jump ship, that's a really good question. I suppose Um, it's going
0: to be different for everybody. Maybe what I'm wondering is like, what kind of thought process might happen? Like, you know, you know, how do you even begin to like think
1: about, okay, is this working? Is this not right? Well, I think if it's something where you're asking people for people's engagement or you're asking them to contact you about something and they're not, um, you're making that call to action and you're not getting any bites on that particular call to action. I might say, okay, that's not working after you tried to do it three or four times. Try something new. Yeah. Um, evaluate the language that you're using. Maybe that's not working. Um, Also, do you enjoy it? I know one of the benefits we have of being owning our own businesses is that is that we can choose not to do the stuff that we don't enjoy. Sometimes, sometimes. So if you're like, man, I really don't like creating this newsletter. It causes me grief. It's such a pain in the butt, but I do like writing articles about, you know, physiotherapy or I like doing, I like writing articles about projects I've worked on or say you in particular, you don't love writing, but you love talking about patients journeys before, during and after that's something else you can do. So I would say stick to what you enjoy doing and you'll actually find that you get a lot more bites. Cause I, your audience can tell when you really, really like what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Okay. Those are great tips. Thank you. Um, Okay. Talking about websites, you know, um, obviously a lot of websites can be very deceiving. Are there some things that people should not do when it comes to
1: their websites? Yes. Um, Yeah. There's lots of things you shouldn't do. So websites can be daunting. I think a lot of people think that it's it's this giant undertaking, especially if you're not tech savvy, um, which it isn't, which, which it's, it's not as complicated everyone can DIY themselves. This is what I tell my clients all the time. We live in a world right now where there are so many options for creating your own website. And I always say, you know, yes, there's some things I know. There's some um, special things I know for creating a website that can, that can make your website pop. But essentially um, I just know this language really well to be able to build it um, quickly and make your life easier and take your brand into account. Um, But a couple of things that I notice a lot of my clients do that I have to come back and say, okay, let's think about this is not overwriting. If that makes sense. Um, especially if you're a service based business is when people land on your website, keep it short and sweet. Um, people, you, you know, every time you go to a website, unless you're looking for information, um, like, you know, right now, if I want a recipe for how to make the best pancakes, and I land on one of those blog posts. It goes, the history of the pancake. I'm scrolling down to get to the recipe of the pancake. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm here for the
1: history of pancakes. I want the recipe. Tell me how to make the pancakes. Um, that should be on the first fold of your website when you land on it. So when someone opens up your webpage, they should know what you do as soon as they land. It should not be confusing. And there shouldn't be more than a small paragraph for sort of each subsection of your website. Um, So say you are a service-based business, your clients or potential clients don't want to read the history of whatever technique you're using. I would say save that for taking out in those chunks that we were talking before Yeah, for the blog or the newsletter or your blog or your newsletter. But yeah, you know, making them read too much (laughs) is um, unfortunately with people's attention spans these days um and then also um not people not putting enough calls to action is also sometimes detrimental so you don't what a call to action is is it's that that tiny line or a button at the end of a section of your website that tells your co- audience what you want them to do so that can be call me email me book a consultation there should be something to hit them they should never get to the end of a page on your website and have to go back to home to then navigate where to go next. It should all be leading to someone picking up the phone and contacting you. So those are the two things that I would recommend not to do. So don't uh, forget to put a call of action and also don't overwrite. Simple is better. Um, If you can say less with it, state a more powerful impactful statements rather than I started my journey yeah, you know, gotcha. on the first your website, what you want to say is, hey, I want to help you feel better. And yeah. if that can actually be way more impactful to someone than, of course, they care about your education and you should yeah. put that in your, in your bio. But yeah, don't tell your life story on, on the main page. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. That, g- good tips. Good tips. Um, okay. I'm thinking
0: about the individuals who do have somebody working on their website who are not so tech savvy um, and for whatever reasons, you know, they want to have access or do something different. The person, you know, either isn't doing it. Um, You know, what can a person do if their, you know, website is so-called being held hostage?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good, no, it's a good term because that kind of is what it is. So sometimes it's not in a malicious way. Sometimes they're, um, designer sort of went, vanished into thin air and they don't know how to find them. Um, or they had their website built so long ago that they don't remember how to get in. Um, and I think this is one of those, um, situations where if you're spending a lot of money on your website, just like you would on any other product, you should know how to get into it. Um, so if someone, someone put a lot of money in the safe for me, I'd want to know what the codes are to open it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I think a lot of people feel intimidated by websites and they think that it's, um, this tech savvy, scary thing. And so they like to just hand it off to a web designer and say, okay, yeah, no, no, you know what you're doing. But then what happens with that is some very important things get missed, especially during the offboarding process. Um, So, um, when you're, when you're working with your web designer at the beginning, I know you're going to like, maybe we'll talk about this later. But That's okay. You can talk about it now. Okay. I was like, questions to ask your web designer would be, when are you going to hand over the site? So when will I get access to the site? Is it after I make my final payment? Is it, um, you know, at the beginning so I can, I can log on myself. So that's a really good question question to ask Um, as as well as what is your process. So, you know, you wanna make sure that handing off your website and getting all your passwords is part of the process. Um, And also where is my, ask them who they're, they're using for their hosting providers. So that might not matter to you, but at least you have the names of who it is. So there's some popular ones that we've heard of now, right? Squarespace, GoDaddy, those big names. Um, but it's important to know those names because I can't tell you how often I come across clients that have absolutely no idea where their website is even hosted. Um, So it becomes a little bit of a detective journey. And if you're working with someone professionally, they should be able to help you at least sort of figure that out. And then you, you or your web designer or both of you together kind of have to roll up your sleeves and make some phone calls. So I've had to sit on hold for And apparently, we're oh,
0: having a hold, little um, that a client had it. A... Oh, is that better? Hey, yeah, yeah. One second. Uh, go back
1: to getting on the phone because you cut out there. Oh, okay. So yeah, I've had to get on the phone with some some web hosts, um, some lesser known web hosts, and find somebody in, in in like the middle of Florida with a three company three person company that I was like, I had a client. He built a site 12 years ago. Like, do you have any idea? We had to provide ID, so it was a real headache to try to unlock that. And by the time we did, it was like the biggest relief. So yeah, in terms of not being held hostage, I would say you should, this is something you've paid for. You should own it and have access to everything about it and test your logins. After your web designer gives up, make sure you can log in. Um, Make sure that you're the owner of the site. Make sure that all the information is back to your address, that your domain is registered to your address and not your designers because that's important too. So yeah, in terms of being held hostage, it happens a lot. In some cases, we just have to start fresh. Um, but that's okay. Cause usually that's why they're coming to knees because they want to start fresh, but it can be a headache if you don't have it and your de- designer will thank you if you, if you do so. Okay. Those are really good things to, uh, to
0: keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, is a website
1: necessary? Ooh, it's a good question. Well, <laughs> I say a hundred percent yes. Um, a lot of people feel like their Facebook and Instagram pages can be a placeholder or can take the place of their website, uh, and it, it just can't um, because not everybody is on those platforms. So if if they're not and they're not searching you, how are they going to find you? If that makes sense, um, and also a website makes your business legitimate. We all know that if we Google a business and we can't find their website, we kind of like, what's going on there? Like that seems kind of fishy. So it really gives you a stamp of legitimacy as a business to have a website up and running. And even if it's a simple one, even if it's a couple pages, you have something there for people to see. And also I, this is one of my favorite lines is that your website is your 24 hour a day assistant. So your website's answering questions for people when you can't, which is what do you do? How do I call you? How do I email you? Um, those, those things are on your website for people to be able to get you when you're not available to be there. And it can take repetitive tasks off your list. So if you are you know constantly repeating the same information to people. So if someone if you're a, if you're a hairdresser and people are always wondering, what kind of hair do you do or what services do you have? Rather than answering those same questions over and over and over, you send them to your webpage. Hey, thanks for asking. Here's my services page. So it takes some work off your plate as well, long-term. So that's, that's, I think all of those things are why you a hundred percent need a, need a website, even if it's a simple one.
0: I, I would agree. I mean, you know, how many of us nowadays are go, you know, Googling, uh, you know, a business. Right. And I don't know. I just sort of feel like if you can't be found on Google, uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to use you.
1: Yeah. And you want those Google reviews too, right? Um, you want those Google reviews to kind of funnel back into your website, which is a good thing too. Cause you know, when you look on the right hand side, when you're Googling someone um, and you see those reviews, you can also immediately then it, there's a button there that says website. So now, exactly. if you right, if you don't have your website there, there's going to be nothing to click.
0: So yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, and even if I'm not necessarily wanting to look at the reviews or whatever thing, but you know, if I am looking for something and there's no access to a website for me to take a look at it, I just move on to the next person. Cause I want to, right, someone else will, someone else will have their website there and they'll just hop on. Right. Because I'm, you know, sometimes I'm looking for information, right? Like, let's say I want to go to a, go to a spa. And I want to know, you know, what packages, you know, let's say it's a half day spa. Let's say it's this. I'm not going to contact a company that I can't research. Like, I'm there looking for information about services and you're not there. And you yeah, can't, a- and you can't answer my questions. Yeah. And you can't answer it's my fair. questions. Like, I ain't showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. And yeah, exactly. I mean, all I'm, important.
0: I'm not necessarily like a caller. I I try to kind of gather as much information and then like make the phone call as the last thing. But if I can email, you know, I might choose to do that or like book online, you know? So I think, I mean, depending on, you know, how computer, you know, savvy you are, but
1: you know, it's a good, it's also a good thing for you to be able to weed through your requests too. So if you have a contact form, it's a great idea to, say, what are you asking about? What are you interested in? So that you can also feel those clients coming in as well. And you can determine, you know, how you're responding back to them, because, you know, it's, it's great to be in a position where you can also choose your clients that are a great fit for you. So sometimes that contact form is a great way to ask some of those additional questions before you even pick up the phone blindly.
0: Exactly. I want to just loop back around quickly to the questions that people should ask a web designer. So you were asking about like uh, process, offboarding, when will I have access to my website? Are there any other questions just to make sure we, we didn't skip over? Is, is there anything else yeah. that you feel is important to ask?
1: Yeah. Um, one big one is to ask your web designer, what do you expect of me as the client? Because it it's, it's a two-way relationship for a little bit. So I like to, when I'm working with clients, I like to say, okay, for the next little while, we're going to talk a lot. You're going to hear from me a lot. It's going to be sort of lots of back and forth fast and furiously. And then the, the meat of the website's done and then we're just tweaking. But there is an expectation of the client too, to be part of this back and forth process, especially when it comes to the content of your site. So I have a lot of clients who get really excited about having a website and then we get into it and I'm like, okay, well, I need your, I need your bio and I need you to write, like, I need you to send me your services and, and then they're like, oh, <laughs> you need me to, oh, you need me to do that. Right. <laughs> and So, um, understanding what your involvement is in the process is really important. And if you're ready to do it, do you have the time to work on it right now? Do you have the energy to work on it right now? That's important too. And your website, your web designer should be asking you that as well and letting you know, okay, so for the next two weeks, I'm going to send you some forms to fill out. That's going to help me really structure your site. Do you have time to work on that? So understanding that you are a part of the web design process, a big part of it, and that we can't always read minds in terms of that content right i don't know mm-hmm. you as well as you know you so we we need that back and forth for a bit there is some work involved in it it's not it's not crazy but yeah asking your web designer what what your involvement in it is going to be and how much time you have to put into it and they should be able to answer that for you so you can make a decision if you're ready that's that's a good point yeah um okay
0: a couple of um okay I'm going to ask about some tips for branding, but, uh, I guess before I do that, what's the role of social media? So you said social media should not really shouldn't take the place of a website. So what role does social media play within branding?
1: Um, a big one these days, I, I feel like I know enough about social media to speak on it, but I, i lucky enough to collaborate with so many amazing social companies that just know their stuff inside and out and they play really well off of each other. I think social media is a way to continue that brand voice day after day after day, keeping the the look and visuals of it consistent, keeping that voice consistent. Um, one thing I love to do and that's, that's very popular now with websites is to have your social media feed on your website embedded in your website and, um, And so if you're not someone who's going to be needing to update your website all the time, your social feed will live on there, which is really great. So it actually keeps your website up to date. So if you'll, you'll notice now when you go on people's website, it'll say, follow me on Instagram or check out our latest on Instagram. And it's actually the, the small squares of their Instagram feed living on, on their website. So they're very complimentary to each other right now. And social media is such a great way to lead people back to your website, especially if you're asking them to book a service um, or you need them to read more. So give them a little bit of information on your social and then get them to to lead back to your website because you want that engagement on your website and you you want those call to action as well. Um, And yeah, it just keeps your voice consistent. And also my other recommendation for social media is high quality images. So make sure that your website and your social, the images are staying really, really high quality. It doesn't mean they all have to be professional images, but just make sure that um, uh, I'm gonna put on your site or the images that you're. Yeah, you, you sort of cut out there a little bit. Can you repeat that, that again? Yep. yep. Uh, um, yeah, just keeping images really high quality as well is important in social on your social feed because that quality will then tell them what to expect from your business as well as what to expect from your website. So yeah,
0: okay, perfect. Um okay, any tips on people like kind of getting started out on sort of building a brand like, you know, what can they, you know, cuz oftentimes when you're first starting a business, there's not a lot of money to in, you know invest mm. in all sorts of things, you know, but what are some things people can do, you know, just you know,
1: um, bootstrapping it. Oh, for sure. Yes. Um, a lot of people come to me for a new brand design and you know, they made one themselves a couple of years ago and it's been working pretty well for them. And they, they've built their business up obviously without having a professional brand designer doing it. And this happens for a lot of clients. So the tips I would say to get started is to think about if we're talking, let's, let's just speak upon the logo part, for example keep it timeless. Um, because there's, there's really fun trends out there, um, either with colors or elements or design things that you can play with and have fun with on social media. But I would say for your, your overall brand design, keep it timeless. So ask yourself, is this still going to look good five years from now, 10 years from now? Um, because it's really kind of it's really easy to just be like, oh, you know what's really hot right now? Bright pink. And then five years from now, you're like, oh, man, I wish I had gone with a different tone or, or a different look for my brand. So I say do the fun stuff on social. Keep your brand look pretty timeless. That doesn't mean it can't be unique, um, but keep it timeless. And then, yeah, the, think about how you want your audience to feel. So I want people to feel really comfortable when they come to work with me and I want them to feel like they can be themselves and they can um, trust me with all all of the information and all of their fears and insecurities about their business and where they want it to go. And so for me, it's important that I'm building my brand that is consistently hitting that home that's down to earth. That is easy to talk to. And so that is what I said across in the voice that I'm sending out through social media. And also, I mean, I think when you look at my brand, it's like, Hey, it's kind of fun and light and, and and easy. Um, I want people to look at my brand and go, she, she looks nice. I want to talk to her. That's, that's where, (laughs) where I'm, my directive is. And I sort of base all of my messaging out on that. Um, and then the other thing about starting a brand, if you're bootstrapping it, is take a look at your competitors. Um, not because you want to be better than them or you want to look completely different than them, but it's good to know what's going on in your local um, competitive identity, as well as as you know nationally or internationally. What are people doing that I really like? What are they doing that's that's working well for them or that? draws me to them and then figure out what that is for your brand. Um, there's a lot of people that, that, as I was saying before, do the same thing. So sometimes you can have an awesome idea for, for a brand design and then you're kind of the winds out of your sales when you realize someone's already done it. So make sure that you do your research before you start to design your brand. So you know what locally looks like. So you can make sure that you don't stray too close to that because no one wants to be mixed up with another another company or another brand, either by name or by look, so.
0: Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so, and you know, thinking about, you know, kind of health and wellness brands, I mean, because there's a lot, there's like, you got your brick and mortar, you know, mm-hmm. wellness, so you have, and then you got your online wellness people as well, so even just looking at both things, like who are the people that are online, who are the people are that are in brick and mortar, see what you like, see what you definitely don't like. Um, so that you have some ideas. Um, so you're, you're not necessarily feeling like overwhelmed with nowhere to start. But if you kind of see what's out there, allows you to jot ideas,
1: brainstorm, you know, have a list of like these things, don't like those things. And, and have people that will be brutally honest with you. So that if you show them your design, they'll be like, no, I don't like that. Um, Cause that can be a little intimidating, but if you're not working with the designer who might give you kind of the truth and say, Hey, listen, I know you really like this, but here's what I think is going to be better for you. Yeah. Um, then, then go to a trusted source, like a, a friend or a family member that will look at whatever you're putting together and tell you whether it resonates with them. And there's, there's so much inspiration right now. And that's a good thing and a bad thing (laughs) so there's so much to be inspired by. Like if you go on it, Pinterest and you pin and you know, Pinterest one single subject, the inspiration is endless. Um, So yeah, pull from that, but remember to be unique. That makes sense. It's okay to be inspired by your competitors. And that's something I ask clients a lot when we start our processes, who, who do you fan over? Who are you a huge fan of? Um, And, and they usually send me a couple names. And so that gives me an idea of what they're aspiring to that level. They're aspiring to be at. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Um, all right. So having said that, I mean, you know, a lot of us, you know, still are you know there's people out there who are not very tech savvy or maybe have some inspirations but just don't really know how to piece it together um you know if your message is resonating with them and they want to take a look at your branding you know where can they find you where can they follow you
1: no pressure no pressure to check out my website (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on all the platforms pretty much. Um, so three is where you can find me. Um, and I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn under that, that name. And then on Instagram, I'm three crowns branding. So that's where you can see sort of that consistent voice messaging that I was talking about. Um, and sure, making sure you're getting your face out there too because you should be the face of your business. And I have to practice what I preach with that. So if you're wondering what I look like or what I do on the weekends, that's, that's, that's the best place to find out on Instagram. But yeah, my website, I'd love you to check it out and send me a message through there if you need anything. Yes,
0: absolutely. And for anybody who's like driving or you know doesn't have a pen and paper close by, the links will be posted in the show notes, so it'll be easy for you to um, to access uh, those pages. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and just giving us some tidbits. I know that like I wrote down at least two points to make sure like my things are happening on my website and um, you know so hopefully others have uh, found some good tidbits but thank you so much for taking time to like educate us on this absolutely
1: i could talk about branding all day so yeah i could go on and on but yeah happy to (laughs) chat anytime if you want help too you just let me know (laughs) absolutely absolutely um
0: so thank you again for being on the show and of course we want to thank our listeners for tuning in um if you're not subscribed you know my call to action for you today is to hit our subscribe button this way. You know, all the new episodes will be on your social and social media on your, um, devices is what I wanted to say. Uh, your phones, your smartphones, um, You know, it'll get uploaded there. Uh, And of course, share out the episode because you never know who might be needing those one or two tips. And of course, we're not fortune tellers. So, you know, post it out on your social media and who knows who will end up clicking and, you know, learning something from our episode. Uh, But on that note, we thank you and we look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. Bye for now.